Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates every single day the people who are making coastal Mississippi a better place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, we're gonna I'm not gonna share any motivational points or motivational quotes or any of that with cases of Delta continuing to climb. I wanted to jump right to our good friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger, an infectious disease internist at Memorial, and uh, and get the latest. We had him on about a week or so ago. But, you know, he anticipated that the cases would continue to climb, and they have. And I just think it's important for us to kind of sort through all the politics and all this national noise and see what's happening locally. That's I think, Nick, the thing that I continue to focus on is that people are going to make their, their own decisions. But they need to make we need to make sure they've got the best decision, of, uh, you know, matrix in front of them. In other words, the best information that they can get their hands on. So I look forward always to visiting with you, especially during this pandemic. So. What's the latest there, buddy? Well, hey, uh, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. And and uh, yeah, that's kind of been my approach. Is I, I'm you know I'm trying to share with your listeners, you know what I believe to be true. And things do change, and we get more information. And, and and there's some things that I'm sure I've said that that haven't held up over time. But we try to try to give the best information so that people can make those decisions. So so right now, you know, we're seeing a pretty darn big surge. Um, you know, it's kind of I guess it's the fourth wave. Um, not unexpected. We saw this in other countries, you know, even countries with high vaccination rates have had high waves, but, you know, the different vaccination rates have had, played a role in the, the mortality, and we can talk about that later, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of packing the hospital. We're getting five to ten admissions a day, which we haven't seen in a while, and goodness, I hope it peaks here soon, some, sometime soon, and, and we start to see the other side of it soon. Yeah, I wish, you know, I wish that we were talking more. One of the things, uh, and not, okay, so we're in the, the fourth wave now, but up until this point, I was I, I thought that most public officials did a pretty good job of talking about what's going on in the hospitals. And I don't know if you've seen Lee Bond, the CEO of Singer River Health System, but he's been doing a sort of regular newsletter every few days. So he talks about the number of people who are admitted the number of people who are in ICU, the number of people who are on ventilators. And he really focuses on the number of people who are in the hospital who have been vaccinated versus those who have not been vaccinated. And they're running in the, you know, 99, sometimes it's 100% of the people who are there are, are those who are unvaccinated. But but still today, you think that the biggest, you know, the biggest defense we've got is the vaccination. You still feel that way, don't you? Yeah, that's right. You know, so for the previous strain, we talked about how the vaccines, the, the Moderna and the Pfizer in particular, had like 90 percent to 95 percent protection. Now, it's lower with this Delta strain. However, remember, the secondary effect was to not make you sick enough to be hospitalized. And then the third level of the tertiary effect was to not let you die from it. And so so I think that we need to be very precise in our language. There are some vaccine failures. And what I mean is they never made an immune response to the vaccine. And we're seeing that in people who are immune compromised, particularly solid organ transplant patients on multiple like immune suppressant drugs to where the vaccine doesn't even work for them. Those are rare. But these other cases, I wouldn't call them failures. I call them breakthrough infections. And what we see are mild infections. And when they get hospitalized, 
they don't need oxygen a lot of the time. Most of them that are vaccinated that get hospitalized, they say, oh, I feel terrible, but they don't need oxygen and they're home in a couple of days. So that's a vaccine breakthrough, mild breakthrough infection, but it's a success because there are people who otherwise would be dying. And yeah. so, so, so some people have expressed frustration to me, like I got vaccinated, I got lied to, I still caught it. Hey, you know, it's like, hey, buddy, you're, you're able to yell at me that you're frustrated. That, you, that's good because if you didn't have the vaccine, you'd probably be short, so short-winded you wouldn't even be able to raise your voice. So, so that's, that's a point I want to make that, you know, if you get a very mild case after vaccination, then that's a success. And also the vaccinated people, they don't transmit it near much to the rate as, as unvaccinated people. So, yes, that, that is the key to getting through this. And I've said it time and again, everyone's either going to catch COVID and live or die with it, or they're going to get vaccinated. And this Delta strain is so much more contagious, it makes the, the idea that everyone's going to catch it happen a lot faster. Yeah, you've talked about this all along. You know, there was you know, when you get vaccinated, there was never a guarantee that you wouldn't get COVID. They never said that. They they, they said always that you're going to be you're going to be protected. You may not get COVID, but if you get COVID, if there is a breakthrough case with you after you get vaccinated, that you're you have a very high chance of avoiding serious illness, hospitalization, and death. Yeah, that's and right. that's still the case today. Absolutely. And so, like, you know, when you hear about these, like, athletes, like these Olympic athletes, they're getting tested, right? And you hear about these poor athletes that get a positive test and they can't compete and they have no symptoms. Well, what that is, is, is that that's probably someone where the vaccine worked, right? They got exposed. It's in their nasopharynx. They're not sick at all. I feel bad for them because they may not even be contagious. We don't know. But it's like that, that's, that shows you there's a lot of people out there getting exposed to the virus that have zero symptoms. And so for many people, it does prevent infection. But if it doesn't prevent infection, it does significantly decrease your rate of hospitalization and death. And we are definitely seeing that. Nick, one of the things that, that you and I have talked about before, and uh, I think we should just kind of focus on it here again. When you look at the the people who you're dealing with currently in the ICU, when, when the critical care nurses and doctors are focused on the people who are in the worst condition today, almost always they are the unvaccinated, correct? That's right. That's right. And when you look at the ones who are dying with some very, I mean, a very small, in the case where someone died who may have gotten a vaccine, there was some autoimmune issue. Something was there to, that caused uh, this, this to be an exception to the rule. But for the most part, um, you know, this is not, you know, you, what you see are cases that involve uh, where there is death involved or significant ICU time. It's not vaccination, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, that was backed up in what's, what happened in Great Britain. You know, they're a few weeks ahead of us and they had this wave and there were more cases than they thought they would have because that's a country that's 80 percent plus vaccinated. However, if you look at the death rate, the death rate from the previous wave, I think it was something like 33 per million, like 33 people per million died during that wave, which you always have a denominator. During that, this wave, even though there are a lot of cases, the death rate in England was something like two per million. So that's a reduction from 33 down to two. That's a 90% reduction in mortality with them being 80% vaccinated. So that shows you that, that the vaccine does significantly impact mortality. And yes, with rare exception, the people on the ventilators for weeks and weeks uh, that have died or may eventually die, uh, some of them might make it, they're unvaccinated. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, the CDC 
it has multiple roles. They're gathering lots of data. This data is really important. They're getting data in the United States, data from around the world. They're also involved in messaging. Uh, their messaging can change from time to time. You know, my read on the situation is that the CDC, from a me- I want to get your thoughts about this from a messaging point of view. They've uh, they've they've blown it at t- some some points along the way. The data is important, and and you trust the data for sure. But what that's allowed though is for people to have a lack of trust in what the CDC is saying. That's enabled them to become politicized, which unfortunately I hate when when COVID is politicized. We we should not. This should be the one thing that politics shouldn't be involved. But I I'm not dumb about that. I understand how it works. What's your current thinking about the CDC? Yeah, I think that uh, you know the CDC has been a little bit slow to react. I think, um, and they tend to come out with these all or none. You know, everybody needs to do this. Okay, nobody needs to do this. Okay, now everybody needs to do this. And I think that the America, I think that the message hasn't been precise from them. And I think if they shared the data and the thought process, and we're, we're a big country, we have cities and rural areas, we have states with vastly different population densities and different rates of COVID. And so, so one size does not fit all. And I think that there's some nuance to this argument. And I think if they shared the nuance and their thought process a little bit more and trusted the American people to, to, to listen to the data, then I think uh, that more people would do the right things, you know, kind of willingly because there's this trust there. So I do think that there's a little bit of a break in trust. I know that the people there probably have good intentions. I know some people that work there and, and I know they have good intentions, but, um, but I think they've lost the control of the message. And part of that's with social media too, you know, things can take off uh, good and bad on social media. And so it's hard to stay ahead of the message. But I think a little bit more sharing the data with the American people uh, and and continuing to build that back and forth trust would have been helpful to the institution. So, Nick, I spent a lot of time. This is Dr. Conger, infectious disease doctor from Memorial, a really good friend. Um, I spent a lot of time on social media just trying to get get the right information to people. And, buddy, you won't believe, I said this the last show, but and this continues, the, the amount of videos and misinformation. Like, for example, one of the things that was being shared is that more people had recently have been killed by the vaccine than by COVID. I mean, it just, people, t- first of all, that's not true, right? Right. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big, uh, you know, uh, advocate for free speech and in America you do have a right to be wrong <laughs> um, and you do have a right to share things that other people don't agree with but um, but yeah I mean that you know when you see, hear things like that that's not you know that's not true uh, you know we are having a pandemic and people are dying you know and I kind of wish we could have people kind of tour through the hospitals and see it uh, that don't believe it um, because when it happens sometimes to your loved ones it's too late we see a lot of regret at the bedside. You know, we talked about those sick patients in the ICU. We saw, see a lot of regret. I should have done this. I should have listened. You know, I thought this was a hoax, and here I am dying from it. Uh, so, you know, we do hear it. So it is a real, it is a real pandemic. I know that's tough. Yeah. Hey, listen, let's do this. We're coming to the end of this segment. I want to, we'll come back on the other side. I want to share a couple more like pieces of misinformation and just get the right thing. Then I want to talk about kids for a second. Kids in classroom, some classrooms are already in place and they're already, there's already some issues that are popping up and uh, we'll, we'll have that conversation as well. We'll see you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. 
talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Dr. Nicholas Conger with us. He's an infectious disease doctor, uh, internist at Memorial Hospital, a really good friend to, uh, to Coast View. And, of course, we're focused on the Delta variant uh, cases in Mississippi and here along the coast continue to skyrocket. And, uh, unfortunately, people are, are having to face serious illness, hospitalization, and in some cases, death because they chose not to get the vaccination. You know, it's, as Dr. Conger continues to point out, the best defense we have currently is the vaccination. You know, one of the things, again, I spent a lot of time on social media just trying to help people get the right information. Some people I've just given up on. Some people who are my friends, I'm hanging in there with them, hopefully you're creating some kind of sideline conversation that I can convince them that their point of view is uh, is dangerous. What's, what's amazing to me, unfortunately, Nick, is that too many people Okay, they've made their decision based on what information is in front of them. But what they do then is they spend an inordinate amount of time on social media trying to convince their friends and family that they shouldn't get vaccinated, that this is all about. Like what somebody posted this. Is there a test for the Delta variant? No, exclamation point. Then how would we know you even have it? I'm like, what difference does that make? But Nick, what do you what do you what do you think when you see that? Well, you know, specifically that question, you know, we do send uh, all the tests to the state and then they they run the Delta variant on uh, on a percentage of them to see, you know, what percentage of them are. So there is a test for that, so, but we don't specifically do a test up front for that. But but I think the larger point there is that I mean, that's a human condition. You know, if you if you make a, a decision that in your heart, you know, might be a little a little controversial, it's, it's just human nature to want to have other people on your side. Yeah, you know, I play out. So um, let me, let me, I want to tell you, this is a very specific case. This is something that got posted just in the last day or so, but this is from Jamie Campfield Bates. She's actually the nurse manager at Bienville Orthopedics. So she's been a nurse for, for many years. And uh, she has a, a, a student, or her, a son actually, that attends elementary school. And so they've had one week of elementary school, seven positive kids at the school. And they go into, you know, uh, you know that the, they if someone's been within three feet of that person, they'll quarantine them. But but what they don't recognize is that when they go from classroom to classroom, they're close together. When they're eating together in the cafeteria, they're eating close together. It's almost impossible, really, to try to do any contact tracing just because of the way that it that is going. And so you're seeing just a number of parents get pretty worked up about the situation. But it is it is it is interesting that. That um, with with the original before Delta came along, you, you know the the schools were doing one thing, and it seems like they've become a little more lax in 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 the guise of Delta, which is more contagious. So, what you're thinking about kids today and classrooms and face masks and just you know what's your current thinking? Well, I'm gonna punt a little bit and say you know we're still trying to figure it out. You know, I think last school year went off pretty well. You know. Um, I can't remember a kid, even at Memorial, that was admitted for COVID. We maybe had one or two. We had some admitted that we found that they had COVID, but it by by large, it was a, just a mild illness, if, if not an illness that skips children. Now, the Delta variant does seem to change things. And so I think we have to have a wait-and-see approach. I, I share, you know, parents' concerns. Um, 
you know, if, if the infection goes through the pediatric community and they're a little bit sick and then they all do fine, well, then they're all going to get natural immunity and they'll be immune because uh, natural immunity, I do want to make the point, I believe natural immunity is, is just as good, if not better than vaccination. Not that I want people, I want people to get vaccinated. I don't want them to live or die with COVID. But, but with the pediatric population, I think we need to wait and see, like, is it, I don't know if it's going to be more deadly in that population. I don't, you know, so, and then the vaccine only goes down to age 12. So I don't have a lot of answers for you on that. Uh, like I told you that, you know, I, I kind of make my opinions on the data as it comes in and, and I am seeing more kids with COVID for sure. And I just, I think that people should know that, um, you know, that it's definitely a possibility out there. So have you seen severe cases with children? Uh, again, not as severe here. That doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, we are seeing what we're seeing is more requests for the monoclonal antibody for children, um, particularly though. Again, those that are immune compromised or have maybe severe asthma or are significantly overweight. Same risk factors for adults. So we're definitely now, and in fact, we're meeting today to try to come up with this a program to deliver the monoclonal antibody to children uh, because yeah. you know I'm an adult infectious disease doctor. And the emergency authorization initially went down to age 18. And so, yes, we're getting some requests for that. Not so actually, death, so. talk, yeah. talk more about that specifically. We've talked about that in the past, but this is one treatment that has really shown some good results as opposed exactly. to all these like potential wonder drugs that everybody says is the, you know, the key to success. The, the antibody that you just mentioned has had tremendous success. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fantastic treatment. We've kept data on it. We have some uh, nurse practitioners that run that program doing a fantastic job logging in everybody, and we can compare it to historical controls, and we see a significant reduction in admissions and a reduction in death. It's not foolproof. We do see admissions, and we do see some deaths, but much less than compared to historical controls. Now, the problem with it is the earlier the better, and the outbreak now is so spread, so rampant, in uh, especially the unvaccinated that, you know, we were doing five a week when there was that lull. We're doing like 250 a week. We we are almost running out of the product. We have to constantly beg for more. We're opening up alternate sites. And, and you know, again, it's a good drug. It, it, it's emergency use authorized, just like the vaccine. So again, if your plan is, I'm gonna see if I catch COVID and if I get it, I'm going after the monoclonal antibody. Man, you may have to wait a few days because we're trying to get people in as fast as we can. Some people are waiting three or four days and you need to give it within the first 10 days or it doesn't work. And it works even better if it's given earlier. So we're seeing a backlog. So why not get the vaccine that's emergency use authorized and prevent the infection if you can or have a mild infection, then catch it and then try to get monoclonal antibody, which is also emergency use authorized. Hey, Nick, you mentioned the, the monoclonal uh, antibody and the fact that you are giving so much more of it today. It's interesting. And you also mentioned the nurse practitioners and them doing the scheduling, whatever. I had a friend of mine as a nurse practitioner. She was over at the house a week ago. It was after, not long after you and I had talked last time. And I was sitting with her and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Her phone message was lighting up about every minute during the conversation. And every time it lit up, it was someone needing to schedule the antibody. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I said, what do you, what do you, tell me, explain what you're doing. Tell me how you, how, what's, what's that all about? She said, Ricky, it's unbelievable. And, and I'm, I'm having, I'm scheduling them as I get them because if I don't do that, they'll just, they'll just start stacking up. And so I'm just, this is on a Sunday. I'm just having to just, 
I'm just having to to do it as they, as they come. But I just got the sense that she was really overwhelmed. I mean, they, all these professionals are overwhelmed, aren't they? Yeah, you know, um, the American medical system, I think, is the best in the world, and I'll defend it, you know, to anybody. Um, but there's not a lot of built-in surge capacity, meaning there's not a lot of people sitting around with nothing to do. Because <laughs> if you are, then you really don't have a job, right? And so if you think about it, we have all the business in the hospital, we have all the outpatient clinics doing their thing, and then you add 200 to 300 people a week who need an infusion that takes an hour, they have to be consented for it, and then they have to be observed for an hour, you know, where are you going to do that? You have to pull, we have nurses that are doing extra shifts volunteering. Now, and, and by the way, when they volunteer, they're exposed to people with COVID, like the most contagious people. And then we have nurse practitioners who have their own day job. They're adding the scheduling to it that are going over there, that are running over there from different clinics, from different inpatient services. So we are creating that out of just people working overtime, basically. And, it, and yep. uh, kudos to them for stepping up. Part of the irony um, is this. Some people state that they don't want to get the vaccine because it's emergency use. It hasn't been officially approved by the FDA. But when, but so they don't get the vaccine, but they end up with Delta, and then they're begging for the next drug, which is also emergency use, not approved by the FDA yet, in order to limit their their uh, their condition. When in fact, if they had gotten the vaccine, would have been their best defense going in. I mean, you you deal with this every day, multiple times a day, don't you? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you know, there's a new surge when like, yeah, getting texts, you know, 1030 at night, every night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, you know, it, then it's like, you know what, there's another surge of COVID, you know, so, um, uh, you know, it does take its toll on, on the healthcare workers for sure. We, we were going to have a critical care physician join us today, but as you can imagine, those guys are busy. I mean, working full-time in the ICU has to be an incredibly tough job these days. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, um, you know, when, when, they, when they have a high success rate of saving people, it, it's super rewarding. But when there's a high probability of mortality once you're on the ventilator, which, which is often the case with COVID, it, it, can, be, it, it can be tough. You know, it, it can weigh on you. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I was in the Air Force and, and I, I did one short tour in Iraq and, and seeing, you know, the death of war, you know, it's, it's, it's jarring. And it's almost like that. It's almost like a, we have this incredible surge, like a mass casualty of people with an infection. It has the same effect. It does take its toll on people. So, you know, keep the healthcare workers in your prayers for sure. Well, God, God bless you, my friend, and all those who you work with on a daily basis and the work you do to save people of coastal Mississippi. And, you know, just simply, there's a there's not simply, there's a really important message that comes from this conversation. That is, you know, get the vaccine. Just get the vaccine. That's the best way to avoid hospitalization, serious illness, and potentially death. And most people who are in the hospital who were not vaccinated wish they had got vaccinated. That's that's one of the most important messages that came out of this. Hey, we're going to stay in touch, Dr. Conger. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me again. Hang in there. When we come back, we're going to have the VP of Digital for Super Talk Mississippi Media, James Wynn. We'll see you after this break. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. 